monitor. One thing you can always be sure of when I'm preaching, sound men, if I get too loud for me, I'll take it down like that. So keep it extra loud, and I'll just drop away when I don't like it. Up here, always loud. Back there, if you see people with their fingers in their ears, turn it down. Exodus, the first chapter, verses 1 through 5. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man in his household came with Jacob. These are the names of all them that came into Egypt with Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Nephtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were seventy souls. Stop. For Joseph was in Egypt already. I'm going to preach tonight and title it, He's Already There. He's already there. Father, we thank You for Your Word, Your blessings. I pray right now, God, that You could touch me, anoint me, strengthen me. Allow the Spirit that I feel inside of me that is moving Jesus, allow me to give it the freedom to do, Lord, what You would like for it to do tonight. What You would like to say, what You would like to communicate to this congregation. I pray now, God, that I would allow that to happen. I pray in Jesus' name. You may be seated. They had traveled 400 miles from their home. This was ten lean men that were on their way to Egypt. 400 miles already from their home in Canaan. And they were traveling on the basis of nothing more than a rumor. They were traveling because they heard a rumor that there was food in Egypt. Behind them was a famine like no one had ever seen. Daddy Jacob had told him, he said, boys, go to Egypt. Get some food for Israel. He said, because if you don't get some food for Israel, Israel's going to be no more. Forget the promises made to Grandpa Abraham. Don't even think about them anymore, boys. We need food. Forget the promised Messiah. Forget it all. We're starving. We're hungry. Go to Egypt. The journey itself had to have fostered hope for them. For the closer they got to Egypt, they saw signs of plenty. And the people that they saw encouraged them along their way. Ten wicked men made their way into Egypt. These men had something on their consciousness like the reins pulled on their donkeys, their, their consciences tugged on them, one would eventually give an audible, uh, if, if you would, an audible voice to their inner voices. And that voice came out in Genesis 42.21, and it said this, Our trouble started with Joseph. These ten men had sold their brother Joseph into slavery. They had shown very little mercy to him. They had ignored his pitiful cries. 
They even shut their hearts to the hurt of their father. And for many years, they had kept quiet. But maybe, just maybe, this isn't what the famine is all about. Now, I want you to hold that thought right there. Maybe, just maybe, this isn't what the famine is all about. So now we see ten hopeful men making their way into Egypt. When they arrived, they were shown to the governor's house. Hungry, fearful, hopeful. They stood before a man who held their future in his hand. They didn't recognize the governor, but the governor recognized them. And as Joseph stared at his brothers, his eyes of understanding began to open. And tears flowed in a blinding flash. And all all of the lonely and all the, the hurtful years that he had endured began to make sense to him. They, they hurt at being thrown, the hurt that at being thrown into the pit by these ten men, the agony of being sold into slavery, the misery of being falsely accused in Potiphar's house, and the anguish of being forgotten again in prison. All of this began to make sense to him. You just hang in there. There's a lot of things that's going to start making sense. Dream given to Joseph many years before of his family bowing before him came true. After some time, Joseph revealed himself and he said, You meant for evil. God worked it for good to save many people. In Genesis 50:20, God saw the famine coming and he had to get me into a place to do something about it. So what did he do? He sent me on ahead. So when we read the names of these ten men, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Nephtali, Gad, and Asher, find assurance that one name was left out for the ten left back home. God had one in position to work His plan. Joseph was in Egypt already. Sometimes you just don't get it. Sometimes you just have to open your mouth too many, too many ways and too much gossip and too much tailbearing to try to, to get your mind wrapped around something that you don't have any sense whatsoever about. But if you will allow God to operate in the way that God wants to operate, you will see that something may be happening that you don't have any comprehension about. You let it happen. You let God be God. You let those that God is working in work the way they need to work. You don't worry about it. Praise God. Some people, some people may be bound to the past thinking that that all the good God has ever done is already behind us, all all locked in history's vault, if you would. Yet if God provided for us yesterday, I guarantee you that He can do the same thing today. Why is it that we shout when somebody gets healed like we heard or a miracle occurred like we heard a while ago? Why is it? But yet when we come down here, we walk away all fearful thinking it's not going to happen for us. If God did it yesterday, That's history. God can do it today in the present. Praise God. Some may be lost in the future, thinking that there's no hope for today. Only tomorrow. Get my monitors just a little bit more. I'm straining myself. Try to hear me. The thought of tomorrow... Is a beautiful thing, but Jesus is a present help for the time of need. We can trust Him today. 
It's easy to sympathize with Joseph's brethren. These men saw the famine. They heard the cries of their wives and their children. They had seen the quiet desperation on their father's face. They were locked into the hurt and the agony of the present. Some of life's greatest mistakes, however, are made when we focus solely on the present. We see the circumstances. We let them dictate what we should do. Peter saw the winds and the waves boisterous. He got his eyes off Jesus and he sank. In Matthew 14, Saul sensed that the people were getting antsy and they were tired of waiting on Samuel to offer sacrifice. So what did he do? He went and did it for them. And as he did so, he got the kingdom ripped out of his hands in 1 Samuel 13. The priest and the Levite were both so preoccupied with the present that they passed a wounded man on the side of the road in Luke 10. And Paul said that the present cannot separate us from God's love in Romans 8:38. But I can pull, but it can pull us away from God's plans for our lives. It can pull us away from God's plan for our lives. We hear a great deal. And I'm going to give you something. And if some of you don't internalize this, you're going to be hurting. I have felt this so strong for so long. We hear a lot and I mentioned briefly on this once before. But we hear a lot about Jezebel. We know the intimidation, seduction, the manipulation of that spirit that carries on from the Old Testament in Kings all the way to the book of Revelation. But in, and you heard me mention it Wednesday night that in the book of Revelation, the name Jezebel actually means false teacher. So anybody that is teaching falsely is a Jezebel or has a Jezebel spirit. Spirits operate in people to do evil. And we can't just say Jezebel operates in our day because Jezebel is mentioned in the book of Revelation. Other spirits in the Old Testament still operate in our day. The spirit that worked through Delilah was a spirit of seduction. The men of the Philistines, the lords of the Philistines, came and all offered her 1,100 pieces of silver each if she would somehow discover the power of Samson. Now, note that right before that, the Bible says that Samson fell in love with Delilah. Samson had gone into a harlot before, but he fell in love with Delilah. But Delilah did not fall in love with Samson. Now hear me. She did not. All she cared about was the ability to take power the ability to entice. That spirit was present when Satan did the same thing to Jesus Christ. If ye be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If ye be the Son of God, cast yourself from the pinnacle of the temple. He wanted, he knew that Jesus could do it. He wanted Jesus to prove it, thus pulling power from him, making him doubt himself. In Delilah's case, what she did was in, not, not intimidate, but she enticed. The Bible says she enticed him. She said, now, Samson, she said, if you would just simply let me know the, the why and how and the, the secret to your strength. He said, you buy me with some green whiz and, and, and I'll just be as weak as any man. And then she did this and I brought the Philistines in and cried out, the Philistines are upon you. He broke the whiz and he killed them all. She said, Samson, you lied to me. Why did you do that? Again, she did the same thing. 
The only way we talk about Jezebel and the, and the only way that Jezebel can be Jezebel is for an Ahab to be present. Some man who doesn't matter who or what it takes, you get me what I want. In the case of Jezebel, it was Naboth's vineyard that Ahab wanted. So she, she tried to intimidate him. She manipulated him and finally she killed him to get a vineyard. And in the case here, you see that, that, that it was an Ahab, but in the case with Delilah, you see Samson who had to constantly prove himself. Follow me. If we are not careful of trying to prove how great we are, how powerful we are, I believe in the power of God, but I also don't believe in, and I'm especially talking to leadership right now, I'm telling you that you don't have to go from pillar to post to try to prove that you've got something that somebody else doesn't, that you're trying to get in position that somebody else wants. Hear me, that is the spirit of Samson, and if you've got a spirit of Samson, there will be a Delilah that's close by. He knew after three different times that she came to him to try to get his secret from him. After three different times, he fell for it three times. And we tried to depict him as some kind of stupid person. No, it wasn't. He was power hungry. He thought he was above it all. He thought there's nothing that's going to bother me. I can do anything and I'll not be bothered by it. But let me tell you, my friend, nobody is that perfect. There's only one that I know of that's perfect, and that's name. His name is Jesus Christ. We are not that perfect. We've got to be aware all the time of the possibility of that Spirit getting a hold of us. You know, of all them, the third one is the one that bothers me the most. For ten years, ten years, I've had God deal with me about the spirit that we're dealing with now. And that's the spirit of Athaliah. Athaliah. Delilah, she wants to steal your power. Jezebel, she wants to intimidate and manipulate and seduce. But Athaliah wants to steal your tomorrows. She wants to take away your tomorrows. Her son was killed, Ahaziah. And so she comes in and begins to kill all of her her grandchildren. Except one Josiah that's taken to the temple. And then for six years, six years, she reigns while Israel knew that she didn't belong there. I wish you'd get this. For six years of complacency, they put up with a wicked woman, and the Bible calls her a wicked woman. They put up with her. You see, a spirit of complacency comes from a Samson spirit. You know, I got to thinking about that a little bit. I'm just going to throw this out for a quarter. And that is Delilah and her desire for power and her enticement. She took a whole generation of charismatic churches. The only thing they cared about was their power. And she kept enticing them away, enticing them away, enticing them. I used to wonder about that. I wonder how in the world can people see this the same way that I see this, read the same book that I read, and believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. How can they, how can they do this and yet not see the rest of it? But she has enticed them away. And they begin to think that it didn't make any difference what you did to me. You're not going to get my power from me. 
I've listened to them. I've heard them. I've sat beside them and say, you know, I don't have to fast and pray. I just believe God. That is a spirit. That is a spirit of nothing is going to take my power away. I don't have to do anything. I can sleep late. Don't have to pray. Don't have to do anything. All I got to do is believe. But you see, I sat in on one of their services one time. I saw their power. I saw their power when they brought up a hundred Filipinos and prayed for them. And the worst that they had was, was a headache where the ones in the wheelchairs was left down below. And that's the ones that my daughter and I went to. Because you see, if my God can heal a headache for somebody who has no power, for somebody who still believes in the power of God and knows how the power of God works, He can bring somebody out of a wheelchair. Are you with me? That's exactly how it works. Now, Athaliah reigned with a bunch of complacent people for all those years until finally the seventh year of Josiah. And the leaders finally had something happen to them. Listen to me, leaders. Finally, something got a hold of them. And they realized, we're letting a lying, wicked woman reign over Israel. What are we going to do about it? So they went back looking. What are we going to do? How are we going to, how are we going to crown him? How are we going to crown him king? How are we going to fight the soldiers of Athaliah? Well, they got together and old David, years prior to that, had hidden his, his, his weapons in the temple. And they went and got the old weapons of David. And they crowned Josiah king next to the pillar. They stood behind him. You see, nothing is going to happen until the leadership gets on the same page. Nothing's going to happen until we get on the same page. We are going to take the city, we're going to take Gosport, and we're going to do it the way God has intended for it to be done. Athaliah was trying to stop the lineage of Jesus Christ. She was trying to steal our tomorrows. And you see, that spirit still tries to stop the lineage of Jesus Christ. She still tries to stop it. You see, because if you are truly in the truth, if you are living a righteous life, if you're living according to the Scripture, you're going to continue to live the way that we've always lived. Are you hearing me? We're not going to lay down things that we don't need to lay down. In fact, we're going to be sturdier than ever before. We're going to be more solid than ever before. Our backbones are going to be straighter than ever before. We're going to stand in the face of a lying Athaliah and say, you're not going to steal mine tomorrow. You're not going to steal my Jesus from me. You're not going to steal my lineage from me. going to take the weapons of David. You know, there's about two churches in this whole area here that really worship. And we're one of them. And that's one of the weapons of David. You can sit back all you want. And I realize that physically some of you are not able to do some, what some of the rest can do. I understand that. But you can raise your hands. You can sing. You can clap your hands. You see, it's going to take all of us beginning to pick up the weapons. It's going to take all of us picking up the weapons. 
And we got to put truth back on the front row. We got to put truth back on the throne. It's got to be placed back where it belongs. You know what the people did? They didn't know what to do, so they put away something they could use in the temple. They didn't know how to use Josiah. They just knew he was supposed to be there. And when finally they woke up, they reached in and got out what they could use and brought it out of the temple. The same way that David had done. He hid the weapons there. I don't know why I'm hiding these weapons. I just feel like it's the right thing to do. He hadn't hid those weapons. If he had to place something in that temple that they needed, if that hadn't happened, if that hadn't happened, the lineage of Jesus Christ would have stopped right there. You look around, you may think some things are done that doesn't suit you quite right. You wouldn't do them that way. You just remember, I may be hiding some things you don't understand. And there may be some future coming. You're saying, what are you talking that way? I'm just talking that way, not because i got problems. I'm telling you because this is what I feel in the Holy Ghost. And if you don't like it, you talk to the one that's putting it in my heart right now. said all that to say this if you feel that you're in famine that's good because that's what it takes to get you where you need to be Joseph was hidden away where he needed to be no one understood it but Joseph was hidden there. I preached this message some time ago. I, I dropped these notes because I, I just thought I'd use them again. Until the famine came, Isaac's life is a dim reflection of his father's life. When the famine came in Abraham's day, he went to Egypt. Isaac was prepared to mirror the same thing, the same example that his father had set, but God changed all that. He said, not everything has to be done the same way every time. I've got something else for you. God stopped him. He said, stay put, don't leave, don't go anywhere, remain in this land. God breaks the pattern. He shows us that there are no set formulas in a life of faith. If you're going to believe God, there's going to be strange things that happen. You get prayed for and you get healed. And poor Elizabeth, she had a seizure again. First thing we want to think, if I'm wrong, you can kick me later, is that got to put her back on the medication. I'm sure that crossed your mind if it didn't. I'm sure it crossed your wife's mind. But she just got too hot. She don't drink enough. Put a few Gatorades under her belt, she's fine. You understand? Not everything is going back to the way it was. Some things are nothing more than a symptom. And if you give in to that thing, you're going to lose your faith. I can lean and you can lean on a collective experience of the generation before us. 
And, and we can. We do that. For, uh, and for, we can do that for a while. But eventually we've got to realize that he doesn't want a relationship with that generation. He wants a relationship with this generation. You know, it's not good enough that Daddy got healed. It's not good enough for Grandma that used to walk on water. Now it's time for you to get healed and for you to walk on water. Oh, if you don't like that, then just don't shout with the glory. Don't shout hallelujah. Don't stand to your feet and clap your hands if you think that's not going to work for you. But if it was me, I'd think, yeah, that's going to work for me. So I'm going to stand to my feet and I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to jump up and down. I may run the aisles. I may shout hallelujah. I don't know, but I'm gonna, it's going to happen to my generation, to their generation, and to the younger generation. Oh, Kishokoto. Not you know what God doesn't want? He doesn't want us to lean on a checklist of how to. How to have victory by Rick Robertson. How to have a miracle by Tony Durost. How to, have, how to achieve greatness by Adam Hill. What sort of husband has a checklist that says, kiss wife today, smile at wife today, Tell wife you love her today. Some of you may, but if she finds it, you're in trouble. Now, the man that has that kind of checklist has something, but I'm not sure what he has. But he doesn't have a relationship, I can tell you that much. In a similar sense, God does not want to be a box on your checklist. He does not want to be regulated into a system of religion. He wants you to enjoy and desire His presence. Oh, stand here. Let's get truth back on it. I can tell you this. I feel it's the Holy Ghost. I was getting ready to say this, and it fits with what he just did. We are required to get truth back on the throne. You're not hearing me. That's what God's trying to tell you. You are required to get truth back on the throne. 
You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the throne room of your heart. Some of you have left some things behind. Oh, maybe you're not backslid, but you've left some things behind. You've allowed Athaliah to stop the lineage, the flow that puts Jesus back on the throne. And if you want to be free, if you want to be saved, you're going to have to get some things back in the throne room of your heart the way they once were. Some of you have left some things behind because you feel like you've matured out of them. You never mature out of the weapons of David. Those weapons were left in the temple for years. But when they were needed, they were picked up. And they stood behind Josiah. Athaliah ran in there and she shouted, Treason, 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 treason to what? Treason to putting truth back on the throne. People can get so used to being complacent, so used to the way of a lying, wicked woman being on the throne, they think that's normal. i got more to preach, but I think I'm done. I'm opening this altar, and I'm not going to make no lengthy altar call, because you know if you need to come, and you know, you know you need to get on your knees, put your head down on this altar, and begin to get some things out of you, and begin to put some things back in you that you need.